gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then, well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 110, the review segment for Friday, March 11th, 2016. It's been a while since we did a review segment, at least with me. It's good to be back, guys. Uh, today we're, we're reviewing 10 Cloverfield Lane. The existence of this movie was kind of a secret until a couple months ago, which was exciting, at least the fact that it was a movie with Cloverfield in the title. Uh, it's uh, directed by a guy named Dan Trachtenberg, who is a uh, first-time feature director who uh, I met in line at Comic-Con five years ago. So he's, yeah. uh, Well, he, he used to podcast and like review movies. He used to do what we do. Yeah, maybe we'll make Cloverfield 3. Hey. Who knows? We'll make uh, 1600 Cloverfield Avenue, <laughs> which is my thinly veiled sequel to White House Down, probably. Wow. Um, we can follow so yeah, the, in Trachtenberg's tradition by saying not entirely fl- nice things about the current Cloverfield movie. Penguin, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you can find Dan's review of the original Cloverfield on archive.org. And we'll yeah, he, he, uh, I asked him about this when I interviewed him, um, probably unwisely decided to open with this question. And he was saying <laughs> that it was really, uh, it wasn't that he just sort of outright disliked the movie. He just didn't shine to the found footage aspect, which... Is understandable. Well, 10 Cloverfield Lane is not a found footage movie. It is not. Uh, so, yeah, the marketing for this movie, I think, has been pretty clear about uh, what it wants to keep secret and what it doesn't. I, w- I mean, going into it, there are some very specific things that you'll know. And we will have a spoiler section for uh, those of you who have seen it. But basically, the setup is that uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays a woman who uh, finds herself in a bunker uh, run by John Goodman, who is this man who says that he is a... Uh, you know, protecting her from something outside in the world. Uh, also in that bunker is a young man played by John Gallagher Jr. And they are uh, eking it out underground while uh, something terrible is above ground. And um, as you see in the trailer, at some point she runs up to try to see what's out there and it horrifies her. And that's about all you're allowed to talk about, right? Mystery, mystery, mystery. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess that's what you're allowed to talk about. We can talk about the actual movie. We can talk about beyond well, the trailer. Yes. No, I mean, I this movie. I, I want to establish our parameters of what we think is fair. Yeah, I, I think that there's, there's not. There's nothing yes. prior to uh, spoiler section. There is nothing in the way of events that we necessarily need to talk about. But we can probably talk about the characters a little bit and the yeah. dynamic between them well, and and the mood. I mean, this is yeah. very. This is a clockwork script. It's full of tension and mystery. I, what I love about. I mean. I should just be upfront. I really, really loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and it's because it's continually asking questions. You know, the first 20 minutes is one mystery, and the second 20 minutes contradicts that and becomes something new. And the third, like, it just keeps going. It keeps inverting itself and um, ha- having its cake, eating it too, basically. It could be all of these different types of movies at once. And really, it's because of three pretty great performances and some calculated maneuvers in the script. And Dan Trachtenberg, as we discussed at the beginning, just kind of shooting it very simply, um, having this, you know, I, I think he is a big Kubrick guy and he wanted to have these very steady shots, this claustrophobia in this bunker. And he he pulls that off too. He doesn't break his own rules at any point. I keep, I keep thinking about M. Night Shyamalan, probably because we've been doing the Blank Check podcast. All I'll give three a shout of us have right now been on this podcast. <laughs> right, and we've been talking about Shyamalan, and I think about 
the sixth sense and how that carefully maneuvers through each scene so it doesn't break any rules and it keeps adding to what the What do you mean the, breaking the, rules? The, what is that? Well, that it all checks out, that it can have this sense of mystery from beginning to end um, where we know we're just waiting for things to clear up and for to decide what's true and what's not. And obviously in The Sixth Sense, there's a huge twist where you want to now go back and see if M. Night Shyamalan broke the rules. If he, ah, if, if, if he, was he dead the whole time? Well, in every single scene, that has to be considered. Um, and 10 Cloverfield Lane is not necessarily that, yeah, don't set you people know, up indebted. Kind of twist. No, no, it's not indebted to that kind of mega twist. Um, but it's still playing with a lot of reveals and, and the murky truth. And it has to manu- maneuver that in an elegant way where it doesn't violate. I should maybe violate is better than breaking the rules. Um, and that's what I really, I got a thrill out of it, being able to take all the turns that it does. Um, and because, I mean, I think Mary Elizabeth Winsett is pretty fantastic in this movie and being, you know, kind of a scream queen uh, type role, but being someone who, you know, is dealing with loss, is dealing with frustration, is dealing with serious problems that are presented in the first five minutes of the movie and kind of spun throughout it as she wants to escape or as she wants to learn more about the people she's going to be living with for years in this bunker. I just, I really ate it up and it's because it's smart and so in all, in all ways. David, you're a huge fan of the original Cloverfield. Uh, this movie, I think we can all agree, is not very much like the original Cloverfield at all, except for some spoilery reasons we might get, get into. But did that give you any uh, extra skepticism going into this, and did it live up to it? Uh, no, it didn't really give me any... I don't know about skepticism. It certainly made me more excited. Um, I, I, I'm still sort of restless. I, I think that... I more or less agree with everything that Patches said. I think it's a very intelligently put together film. I think all three of the performances are exceptional um, and work together very nicely to create a certain tension. Um, you know, I think that uh, uh, this movie could have used another like 30 minutes in the middle just to really ratchet everything up even further. But movie studios don't make movies that flow like the original Alien anymore. Um, so we have to get through it. Pretty quickly. Not that this is like an eighty-minute film or anything. I mean, it, it takes its time, and uh, um, it, it knows. Wait, so when you wanted to, to feel more time of them kind of sitting around and and just feeling like the walls are closing in because every yeah. single day is exactly the same. Yeah, I could have used I could have used more time. I could have used more just sort of uh, really digging into. Um, I think the characters are all very finely fleshed out. I just thinking more in terms of letting this, the weight of the situation sink in. Although, for what it's worth, I had a I had what I guess could be qualified as a nightmare the night after we saw it. Um, I thought it was very, very effective. I think you can tell from the very beginning the wordless opening sequence, um, the ways in which you slowly learn through Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character's eyes, the nature of her captivity and the nature of her captor uh, is all very intelligently done. Um, There was one scene that irked me enormously <laughs> about uh, when they are playing charades, um, which is, I thought it was, it was so obvious that I was so frustrated. But um, other than that, I thought it was very, uh, very well done. Um, I think John Gallagher Jr. and Mary Elizabeth Winstead and John Goodman are all you know among the best at what they do. Um, and it's all very strong. I think, uh, you know, most of what I had, most of my concerns going into this movie and most of my preoccupation while watching this movie was probably reserved for things that we should talk about in the spoiler section, which we'll get to. Uh, it had a lot to do with 
um, how this movie came to being, how it's being presented to the world, what the weight of putting Cloverfield in the title does for you. Um, the director had described it to me and probably to Patches as well and to anyone you talk to as like a, an episode of The Twilight Zone. It's like a sort of a blood relative where it's self-contained. You can see that they are um, – it's a completely different genre from Cloverfield. It's a psychological thriller uh, in, it has a sort of indie film vibe. But it does have – J.J. Abrams said that it was sort of the same color as Cloverfield, if that made any sense. And I said that it did. I mean, I think, like, uh, while oftentimes it's literally the same color, that, like, uh, earthy sea green um, sort of tone over the film, I think... Or, or uh, that brownish amber that is yeah. all over the party scenes of the, of the Sure. Film. Yeah, I mean, I think that what he meant more is in an abstract sense and uh, um, just the sort of emotional tonality of the, of the whole thing. And uh, I can definitely see what he means by that. Um yeah, I think it's all it's all very smart. I think it pays off in interesting and unexpected ways. I think uh, to be as vague as possible and to maybe quote, I think something that Patches may have said to me verbatim after the screening, it sort of has its cake and eat it, eats it too. Um, and because of the film's design, it is able to uh, get away. It raises a lot of questions. Um, and it, some of the questions, the answers to the questions, only some of them can be yes, because otherwise that they would contradict but the movie has a way of paying off its questions so that more than things that answers that seem contradictory to you while you're watching the movie can somehow coexist. Um, and uh, I think that's that's a vague way of saying it. But I think that makes for an interesting payoff. And uh, I, I more than any film in recent memory, I'm going to be especially keen to see what um, the, a wider audience has to say about this movie and the way that their yeah. expectations going in and how they feel. Um, about well, they're going to be angry. Where it goes, Maybe. they're going to be yeah. they're going to be angry about the the disconnect because this movie does deserve to have Cloverfield in its title, and I love that it well, will become hopefully well, I mean, a, a, cl- uh, a Twilight Zone ish thing. But it's not. I hope people can lose themselves in this movie because there's certainly a lot to chew on. If but you can if go into it and and not. Um, if you're going to buy a ticket because it has the word Cloverfield in the title, and I understand it's not like the same audiences for Star Wars, but uh, any sort of brand recognition helps these days. Um, buy your ticket, go see it, and then just try to forget that it has anything to do with Cloverfield until you're talking yeah. about it with your friends afterwards. Well, you know what's actually um, working to the movie's advantage? Because they've done another very expansive alternate reality game to play mm-hmm. And follow along with this movie. I mean, the, this one is even more extreme than the first one because they've Paramount has been like burying cell phones in the ground for people to like geotag and find and like hiding things in lockers. It's very. It hasn't been as tantalizing though. No, um, it's, it hasn't. It's all, and the reason is it's all character driven, right? There's a lot of stuff in the movie mentioned. But it's not mythology driven. It's character and, driven. And posters, like there's a there's a kind of theme. That uh, John Goodman's well, we, I don't know if, what counts as a spoiler here. But there's a lot of Parisian art in the bunker, and this is uh, connected to things that are extremely tangible in the movie, in the context of the movie, but also part of the ARG. So it's, it should be very fulfilling. So yeah. maybe if the people who were obsessed with Cloverfield the first time because of the what does it all mean or what is there, what are the origins of this thing, uh, maybe they got caught up in this game and they'll actually be satisfied. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we get a little bit more um, and maybe less sort of opaque bits of 
ARG or viral video stuff, whatever you want to call it, uh, between now and Friday and maybe even afterwards. Um, I think that uh, I think, you know, only room for post movie ARG. Yeah. But one of the things when the Cloverfield came out, there was all that thing, the video about the oil rig that was destroyed, um, presumably on the Cloverfield monsters path from the bottom of the sea to Manhattan. Um, And I think some sort of by the time once you've seen the movie, maybe or, you know, something like that, it, it could be that elliptical where even before you've seen the movie, they can give you a little bit of context. So much of what you get from this movie and, and not dissimilar to Cloverfield about what's happening beyond what the characters can see comes through sort of, uh, um, you know, like radios and uh, it's things that are sort of these distant events that are bleed into the world of the film um, are sort of transfused there in, in very abstract ways. And I think the the viral stuff is a lot of fun that you can, it could have a lot of fun playing on that. I think I think we'll end up touching about this in spoiler section, but yeah. Katie, I want I want to hear yeah, guys, what you I think saw, about this I movie. Saw the movie too. Uh, hi. Yes, no, that I Hello. want to hear what you thought about it, but and also because we were talking about the movie after you saw it about specifically about Mary Elizabeth Winsett and her character. I don't know if we're, that would touch too much in the oh, spoiler you section, want me to, but please you want me to talk about it because because she's a woman. Is that well? That no, well that's well that's what you were talking to me about it, but you you didn't seem as high on this movie as. No, I like this. I like this movie. I think the psychological thriller trapped in a room thing is less of my genre than the big city monster movie thing. Um, yeah, this and- movie was missing Tremblay, don't you think? A little Jay, Jay Tremblay. Where was he? <laughs> what if Mary Elizabeth Winston woke up and John Goodman's like, "Welcome to room." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's skylight. Uh, Goodbye, wardrobe. I think I can talk about this enough without getting too much into spoilers, but I think this movie kind of really establishes itself like a play after a while, and you've got these characters who are having conversations, who are telling stories, and there's subtext to it, and they're telling these stories for a reason, and it's all being set up. And the movie is so carefully made, like you guys were saying, that you're watching this, and you're like, all right, this is a story that's going to tell me this, and I'm going to learn this about them, and it's going to pay off in this way. And it and, and does not all of it has to pay off really specifically. I mean, I watched White House Down over the weekend, and those are payoffs all over the place, and they're ridiculous. Um <laughs> But I feel like they're laying a lot of groundwork to try to make Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character something other than, like, the horror movie final girl or Ripley or kind of the classic, like, woman who is going to, like, be tough, which is something you see in the very beginning. You know, she's leaving her boyfriend, like, she's driving on her own. Like, you kind of get that archetype from the beginning. You see her kind of trying to escape her captivity, and they're giving her this backstory to try to uh, flesh that out a little bit, but the thematic elements of it never really gelled for me, like... It felt like there were a lot of feints toward it and a lot of efforts toward it, but the simplicity of the story almost didn't allow for that to come through. And I don't think that's like, I think there's a lot going on in the filmmaking and it doesn't take away from the thrills, like the genuine excitement of what this movie builds toward. But it did make the the conclusion feel hollower to me just because I like I felt like they were really building towards something. And then in the end, it wound up being more of a... Uh, I don't know, they couldn't get to where they quite wanted to go when I feel like they do kind of get where they want to go with the action parts. I'm going to wait to respond to that. No, I think it's, I think it's fair. Section. Like, I mean, that, like, and I, yeah, I like this movie. It is less of my genre than I think it is for other people just because, you know, scary stuff's not my thing. Oh, um, so that, that's how I wanted to lead into the spoiler section because you were, I was wondering if you think this is a horror movie or if it, if it scared you. Um, okay, well then let's, uh, I guess, move into the spoiler section, right? Spoiler well, no, gone. I mean, was it scary? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely scary. I mean, I think it plays more with horror movie tropes than 
definitely the original Cloverfield. Like it's, you know, being trapped in a room and it's a woman trying to escape an attacker and it's, you know, using your wits. It's like a, like a locked room game, but a movie, like there's a genre for this somehow. I mean, it's not really like rope. It's not really like the thing. I mean, I guess it's kind of like the thing in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, like a lot of horror movie elements to it. And I like it. I like a movie that, you know, riffs on that. Like horror, I find interesting, even though I find it scary. You didn't find this scary? Oh, I, I definitely found it scary. Like there's some stuff at the um, end there that gets really unsettling. Yeah, but yeah, just all these personalities and not and being completely unsure of everything almost until the end. Uh, yeah, it's really it's scarier than most other movie, scary movies I've seen in the last few years. Yeah, Info I mean, the, lane. Uh, I mean, you've got this like interesting. You know, the John Goodman character I think is so interesting and well done and. You're so uncertain about him, as is Mary Elizabeth Winstead throughout the whole thing. And then at the end, it turns him into a literal monster with half of his face melting off. It's like, it's so, it's cool the way that it can develop in that way. Wait, did we just, is did this we just, the spoiler section? You, you heard the just, spoiler gong. Oh, I didn't know if I, I don't know. I don't think we technically did, but. Uh, well, then, um, we well if you're listening to this, uh, then it's already too late. <laughs> um, we, we, yeah, I, I think that. So I think the, the best way to approach this is talking about the word Cloverfield and what it means and what it does for this film. Yeah, um, I actually have and, questions about that because I don't remember enough of what the Cloverfield monster is all about to honestly know if this has anything to do with the Cloverfield monster. It doesn't. It doesn't is okay, the short answer. Um, yeah, I mean like there there is um, what I – so there are no literal connections that we can make as of yet based on the strength of uh, – or, or based on the information provided in these two movies to connect them. Um, they're, they're, well, once we're as, able to like go frame by frame in the final <laughs> act of this movie, I'm sure there's like something, you know, hey, maybe the alien. Show, there's a slush show drink in this. Yeah, so. yeah. You, you can make the case, the of course, that the aliens in this movie are relatives, blood relatives of the <laughs> creature from Cloverfield. There are certainly some sort of facial similarities going on. Were those barnacle things that were running in the subway? The barnacle maybe things, right? Um, yeah. However. What throws me about that is the timeline. Um, yes. There is this no takes place reference. In 2015, as far as I can tell. Right. There's no reference. Uh, the phones would suggest that this takes place in the present. There is no reference to what happened in New York. And you would think that after a certain well, amount of time, it was time happening in this bunker, at the same time. Yeah, but it was. I mean, the. I, I, I don't want to lean too heavily on the, the fact that they're using like relatively recent iPhones, but. Uh, um. It would seem weird that there was no mention of anything that was happening in New York at any no. point in this When you've movie. got a guy who's, like, building an apocalypse bunker and he yes. never he's crazy and none of them talk about yeah. how there was a crazy – yeah, like, yeah, you're right. And it's like, hey, guys, remember when that giant fucking monster attacked New York? Well, <laughs> no, you're weird. 100% correct because when he's like – oh, because John Goodman thinks there might be Martians and I think he's being sincere when he says – you know, wait until the Martians show up or, yeah. you know, I think it could be a giant alien space worms out right. there. And the the best part is it, it is giant alien space worms out there. Yeah, yeah well, he, such he a clearly has some, you know. He worked the, with satellites. The details are unimportant. This is Dave Gonzalez type mythology stuff. but uh, <laughs> That should not be a diss. That is no, not a pejorative. Well, one of the things that I like, it's not a diss to the interest, it's a diss to the other properties. One of the things that I enjoyed about Cloverfield is I thought that it really invited that sort of 
conversation in a way that at least I found appealing, um, that talking about a lot of these other backstories isn't. But uh, yeah, I mean, he worked at some satellite, he worked at, you know, in the Navy, he worked with satellites. Um, this is all part of the ARG thing. You can read about all the letters that he sent to his daughter, Megan. Um, he may have seen something that they may not have known. One of the things that hurtled into the ocean off of Coney Island at the very end of um, at the very end of Cloverfield. Uh, so it could be connected. What I thought it would have been. That, yeah. Yeah. What I thought would have been potentially even more interesting was to release this film under its working title of Valencia, not draw any explicit parallels to Cloverfield. And because had this not had Cloverfield in the title, I doubt anyone would walk out and say, um, oh, you know, this is clearly in the same universe as Cloverfield. There just isn't really the evidence to support that. Um, It is more like of a Twilight Zone thing, sort of imagining an attack of that nature from a completely different perspective. Uh, You know, we are seeing what would happen if a Cloverfield alien, an army of Cloverfield monsters landed and we were stuck with people underground who came up a few months later. Uh, But what could have been more interesting is to release these two films, make no connection, and then release a third film that <laughs> blows everyone's mind by tying them together. Uh, that could have been fun. <laughs> but, probably impossible, um, but fun. Probably impossible. But I think that this movie does things that would have seen, seemed impossible beforehand, certainly in its release strategy. Uh, so who well, knows? J.J. Abrams, the, the sky's the limit. I don't want to talk too much about the meta stuff before we get into like the movie itself and like what we the think meat. about where it goes. Because well, mean, so wait. At what point did you think that? I, I'd be curious how both of your brains worked during this movie. If there was ever a time where you thought, I mean, I guess because of the phone call early on, you know something is happening in the outside world. Yes. But did you really think that it would go all the way to where it go? I mean, to the alien invasion, to poison, like the the woman who dies that we see. Yes, yeah, she was poisoned by alien spores. I you, did. You thought, I thought it was it going had to because of the title. Like I think right, that Cloverfield makes that something. promise. Yep. Yeah, yes. I, mean, I don't think that's spoil. I don't know because like the you know what John Goodman is and what his intentions are are still really ambiguous. Even if you feel certain that the alien invasion or something is real, I just I I couldn't have expected it to be so outrageous. So. Not cartoonish would be the wrong word, but so, so alien, alien I guess. Yeah, I yeah, I guess alien would be the word there. I just thought it would be something subtler and something, I don't know, more I, like, yeah, it's a bubonic plague or yes, it's going to be a wasteland when you come out of this place. But no, it's it's uh, everything is the same except now there are alien invaders lording over us. That's crazy. Yeah, I think that, it's like uh, that Simpsons episode. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, the title and – the commercials as well. There's this one shot uh, with the house lit up from behind. Um, yeah, I, I think that I knew that it was going to be something. Um, and J.J. Abrams had said to us, or said to me in, in an interview that I've not yet written, but that the interview day has now been unembargoed. So, like, clearly they were okay with this getting out to the world that uh, there were monsters in the movie. And I thought that that could have been sort of like a clever bit of he's not con business and saying that John Goodman's character is a monster, which – in yeah. some respects, he is. Uh, but And, of course, you know, that's part of the idea of, the, of this film. And the monster is, uh, comes out from us, necessarily, and not from another world. But, no, I did expect there also to be a literal monster. And there was, but I did love how casually it's introduced. I love the shot 
where she is standing on top of the car or whatever it is, and she just looks and after with with no like particular flare up of the music or um bit of film grammar that really builds up to it. It's just a sort of wider shot where you see what is obviously some sort of alien aircraft. I gasped. I and totally, like, oh, I really, okay. that took the wind out. I'm just like, wow. And then uh, she has the best line. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it's perfect. You kind of expect her to be flagging it down for help because at that point you like have no idea what's out there or what they're at. I don't think I would flag a uh, alien spaceship down I don't know. Like, after you don't being know told John Goodman's still alive in there. Like he could be like, for me, like at that point he was the bigger threat. Wow. You don't think so? Like the, then he's like already lived through a surprising amount of things. I mean, then the whole bunker blows up and you get that he's dead, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe I, we I don't know if she's like, a little here. well, yeah. Uh, to, to say what, I mean, I think that, um, what we were talking about in the main in the main segment about having his cake and eating it too is that um, right. you know he is you typically think in a movie like this if you think of like Take Shelter for example there's this whole is he or isn't he question is he crazy or yeah. is is the apocalypse actually coming um, and this movie has a lot of fun by saying both uh, he is a lunatic he is a damaged man um, who is capable of some. Seriously sociopathic homicidal behavior. However, he was also very right to build this bunker and to uh, to stay down there for as long as he could. Um, and when he said that there were patrols making those rumbling noises above the bunker, he was correct. He was right. Uh, and yeah, and I think that you know it's interesting. It's an interesting way of sort of complicating it. it may not be rocket science necessarily, but you are saying that um, the. Intentions can be in the right place with with some of our I- ideals and values, but um, you know, what well, I it, think he has a really interesting can be. He, Goodman has a really interesting line in the movie where it's like, you know, the, you have car alarms and you have all these things to all this security, but whenever it works, you you think something's wrong or you think something's right. crazy. I think that's yeah. a really interesting notion. Um, yeah, but it's also, you know, I think what's interesting about it is the film says that and it is a compelling notion, but at the same time, it um, turns its survivalist uh, into a monster himself. So, right. Like, did he uh, build the bunker because he thought this was going to happen or did he build the bunker so that he could kidnap girls and like yeah, abuse them or the something part and of the murder movie them? That I feel like it doesn't deal with that well like the way that it introduces this other girl who's been in there and who's trying to crawl claw her way out for help and she's kind of there to tip mary elizabeth winston off that she really does need to escape and they build up this escape plan but the idea of him is this kind of monster who's not like he's not just building a bunker and trying to bring people in and like overly controlling like he's you know i think the implication is or at least what i think is like bringing young women to sexually abuse them in this bunker like because that's yes. what has happened and that i don't think tracks with the theme of the movie or where that character wants to go. Like it's this element that like really kind of throws me off in a way. And it doesn't like Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character doesn't really deal with it. Like it, you know, I Hatch, this is what I was talking to you about. Like she's a survivor and she has a story about wanting to prevent other people from being hurt. But the way that the extent to which she is that kind of abuser beyond just like a control freak who will shoot gun John Gallagher Jr. But isn't, for no reason. Like I don't think it deals with that very well. But does it does it deal with it by making her complacent earlier in the film that she does have this moment where she questions things, where she really has authority and she's like, I don't trust this guy. I have to get out. I have to leave. And then he convinces her 
to stay because he's a nice guy and that he was kind of right. Like, no, I mean, is, he, is it he about right. discerning? Like, is it about to stay by seeing a woman with her face melting off? Like, it's not about his power that keeps her in there. Yeah, but her original thoughts about him being a monster, that he drove her off the road, turn out to be true. And he tells her that. Yeah, and that she's really like, okay, let's yeah. just stay here and, and put a puzzle together. You know, well, what is she doing? only after she knows that, like, she's there. But he says he drove her off the road because he was just driving too fast. Like, he doesn't say he deliberately kidnapped her. I struggled with the True. idea of, like, he, you know, he, he knew that um, she was the only person who could who could crawl through the vent to get to the thing. And I guess he may not so have thought through the that I, yeah, but like, why also? There was a door there. Would it have really? Would it have interrupted the airflow? Uh, had he opened that door that was immediately behind? Because it's like the door that's from his his bedroom um, that is on, and the vent is on the other side of that door. And I didn't yeah. entirely understand the mechanics of like. I guess that would have uh, contaminated the area somehow. I don't know, but it seemed like a needless risk. Uh, although. Um, for all the scenes in this movie, that and the charade scene, that sort of irked me with how on the nose they were. I thought that uh, the movie does an excellent job of pulling off its more crucial surprises, like the scene where they dispose of John Gallagher Jr., Holy which shit. I did God. not see coming. No. Um, well, like, even the whole, I have a Breaking Bad vat of chemicals that I, I dip bodies into. I'm like, what? Wait, it's, this is really happening. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, and I kind of uh, yeah. I told David after the movie I'm like this reminds me of the witch in a way because it is going there like it's it's going to say you know this woman's getting a horrible car crash we get this I mean, okay it's not a squashing a baby up and lathering it all over myself kind of shock but there's a, a upfront shocks that you don't maybe expect to see well, the go whole all the way through the this movie and then the way that it does yeah. the car crash and then intercuts the credits and jumps back to the car crash like it's I don't know it's 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 very effective yeah, this movie keeps saying yes to itself, and I like that, that it's not going to back down to be clever. It's it's just going to be straightforward, but in a murky way. I don't know. That's It's well, astounding guys, to me. Do you guys disagree with me that the thematic stuff doesn't gel the way that it feels like it wants to? See, I, I like the simple payoff at the end. I like her journey. I love the story that she tells yeah. John Gallagher Jr. about well, always running away, and it seems very simple, yeah. but... The ending and then really she makes works the for me. Help. Yes, no, I get that. I mean, yeah. I, told I mean, I think you that too that uh, it's, it's it's like the ending of Castaway, but I like the ending of. Castaway. Yeah, I mean, it's not War and <laughs> Peace, but I think that you know it it sets up a simple question about her character and really sees it through from start to finish. Um, it has a respect for the character and uh, sort of an organic quality that a lot of movies of this nature do not. Um, and so I thought that was interesting, but I I did. I didn't feel unsatisfied at the end. Uh, well, full stop. I did not feel unsatisfied, but I I wanted – there was something more I wanted. I don't know. Maybe it was just the Cloverfield fan in me where I, I wanted that more explicit connection. I had heard you know, for so long now that – for so long, for a few weeks now that uh, um, you know, it was really a, a blood relative of Cloverfield and not a direct sequel. And yet I wanted them to be pulling my leg just a little bit. I really wanted to get just a little bit of more rope to hang myself with. Um, and at the end, it's so disconnected from Cloverfield that I'm like, oh, okay, I, I don't really know uh, um, how that helps. But um, it uh, I, that's not really what matters, of course, and it's really sort of secondary. But 
I wouldn't have minded seeing the scale broaden just a tiny bit. Uh, but I do think that those moments of sort of one-on-one battles that you get her and the organic weapon ship thing that's like uh, it is a it space like, worm, a ship, but, but it like, has a mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, all that stuff is super, super well done. Although uh, that's how I thought it was going to connect to Cloverfield because doesn't the original – it's been years since I've watched it. The original Cloverfield ends with lifting T.J. Miller up into the yes. mouth, right? And yeah. I thought actually it could just end with her being eaten by the spaceship. Alien. Yeah, um, because yeah. Cloverfield set a very interesting precedent where all of the characters die, all of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, that is not something you get very often. That would not um, be a payoff to the thematic, uh, like, current of that. It would not have. Uh, and also, I think it wouldn't have necessarily fit in with franchise mentality as it's come to exist. And, of course, so much of what makes this movie fun is how they don't really give a shit about typical franchise mentality. So, uh, good for yeah, them. I don't think but, we're going to uh, get a part two of this where we see Michelle gunning down alien ships on the, the coastline. I do not think we're going to get that movie. And you know what? That's perfectly fine because it would be, like, yep. Battle for L.A. with a better – leading actor but uh um yeah i mean i think i think the next cloverfield movie and i'm if this is a success and i really hope it is i think there will be one will of course star a completely different cast and it'll probably be a slightly different genre i mean uh it'll be it won't be an abduction sort of confinement psychological horror movie it won't be found footage it'll find another way to tweak the same color so to speak uh and and have an alien attack involved in another way. Uh, and if yeah, they can keep finding very, ways to do that, that's interesting. I'm very in favor of the Cloverfield franchise as the way that they're building it. Like this whole, like, here is our uh, franchise name for movies by first-time directors about something that you might not go see otherwise on your own. Like it's a way to build this genre series that, you know, it's not like the most original first-time films you're going to get out there, but they're really promising and so much more interesting than everything else, basically. So I was really impressed with with uh, Trachtenberg's direction. Um, I thought he does a lot of little things well. There's a lot like of them what? right, and there's just a basic film grammar stuff. Just the the way that he puts together even that table scene at the beginning of the film. Um, table scenes are notoriously tricky to do. Typically, when you're thinking of round tables, but even three people at a dinner table is, is tough when you're juggling. All these, you're really getting into each of their heads separately. We're trying to figure out what John Gallagher Jr.'s character is all about. We're trying to figure out how short John Goodman's fuse is. And we're trying to figure out how Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character is going to manipulate them both uh, into making a run for it. And I think um, that scene very intelligently without making too much of an of a issue of it uh, – is able to sell all those various is able to get us into all these characters heads and really, you know, mostly in her head uh, while also having this very tense moment. It's a, her taking the keys and running away. I mean, it's, it's clever stuff. I think it's handled really well. And it made me feel like I was in the hands of somebody who knew what they were doing. Um, I feel like and that the, goes a long uh, way. The direction and the grammar fell apart for me a little bit when she got outside. Uh, there was like some stuff when she's fighting back against the small silvery kind of alien. And then the big thing where there were just things that, popped in and out of the frame that I couldn't quite follow, but that's also an action scene at night and that's going to happen with basically anybody. Um, but yeah, I agree with you for the most part. There's a lot of really interesting, like, you know, you'd make your first movie in a confined space. Like there's a lot of really interesting stuff that you can do to prove that you know what you're doing. Yeah. I, I talked to Trachtenberg too, and he's like, JJ Abrams is obsessed with insert shots. And this movie 
nails insert shots. And I thought about it before and after you know, seeing footage of just like, man, this is, it's like every object matters. Every move yeah. in this game matters. And that's and I also direction. Like something that Cloverfield does so well and why I loved it is because it's so much about what you don't see. Mm. Um, and then, uh, and I mentioned this to and he was like, no, 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 it's about what you do see. And I was like, all right, glass half full um, or glass half empty. But yeah, I think he has a point in, in that it's, um, and when you're coming at the table, it's not about taking things away like you're a sculptor. It's really about what it is you choose to, to present to people. And I think of like the um, very last shot of this movie uh, of the alien ship that's hidden. And then when the lightning strikes, you see it for a brief second. And I think that that was sort of a, um, a succinct little visual metaphor for how this movie's operated and how both of the Cloverfield films have operated, what their visual ethos has been, and what I really enjoy about them, particularly in an age where all of these movies are, are ruined by showing too much. And even when this movie does show even maybe a little bit more than I thought it was going to, I thought it does so with restraint and intelligence. And the music was really good. I, I want to say that. Music is really I, good. Bear McCreary's score is out of control. It's fine. I really loved it. It's fine. Well, come on. That I, really liked it the, is, I especially liked it in the beginning when it was uh, kind of jaunty and like, you're like, what kind of sci-fi movie am I in? Like it was a little tense, but like it didn't have to be like disaster. You mean in the like immediate opening? When she's like. like which is almost all silent. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really liked that part of it. 10 Chlorophyll Lane. So we liked it. Yeah, I still uh, still think it's got thematic <laughs> issues, but I liked it. Yes. I saw I more say Cloverfield something. movies. More more Cloverfield movies. Yes, please. That. Yes, please. Children behave. That's what they say when we're together. And watch how you play. They don't understand, and so we're running just as fast as we can. Yes, it was uh, in honor of Sally Field in Hello, My Name is Doris. Uh, I don't know if that movie is on people's radar, but it's a very sweet little comedy. Uh, what's your favorite performance from an actress over 60? David, you got a choice? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll stick with another recent pick and go with Trill City at Eddie underscore straight, who says Emmanuel Riva in Amour. Uh, she she was fucking phenomenal in that movie. Um, That's a good one. To, yeah, hard hard. Uh, you know, right in your face, uh, but doesn't make it any less impressive. It must be hard to like. She plays dead in multiple scenes of that movie. That's yeah. It must be existentially difficult. Anyway. Um, For an eighty eighty something year old, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just like okay, Emmanuel. <laughs> Lay there. We're going to cover you in flowers. Stare death in the face. Here we go. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm going with uh, J underscore Rosenfield, who said Ruth Gordon and Rosemary's Baby. Such a good one. Talk about scary movies. With women. Yeah. Something, I feel like she, who who says Chalky Moose? Is that, uh, does she talk about Chalky Moose or does Mia Farrow talk about Chalky Moose? I don't know. Whenever they have conversations about Chalky Moose, that's scary. 
Anyway, oh, and someone else just said Ruth Gordon from Harold and Maude. Yeah, Ruth Gordon had a good Ruth sentence. Gordon. Um, I'm going to go with at Andrew underscore Rec, who said uh, Yoon Jung Hee in poetry. Oh, great Ooh, choice. I absolutely adore. And wow, what a sad, sad movie. Or just, I guess that's not necessarily about death, but it's about the slow decline of, of a woman's life. That son, her bratty, her bratty grandson in that movie. Oh, does not make you want to get old. I uh, need to things do. Baby came out in 1968. I should have known that. Just <laughs> saying. Uh, that does it for this week's Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back next week, maybe talking about Miracles from Heaven, if anyone ever invites us to go see it. Otherwise, <laughs> they won't. Otherwise, we'll just be re reviewing 13 going on 30, which what, is what. Dan what does that movie have to do with trees? Is uh, she, so the girl has. The girl has a seemingly incurable condition. Three years later, she falls out of a tree, and rather than like she falls thirty feet, and rather than having, uh, you know, critical brain damage, she is cured of her condition. And also, when she woke up, claims that she went to heaven and talked to Jesus, and Jesus was like, "Yo, bitch, too soon. Go back down, live your life, speak your truth, go on Nancy Grace and Glenn Beck, whatever." Uh, tell him I say hi, and she's like, "Snap!" So she goes and wait. Uh, so she, so she fell out of the tree and hit the ground, and that's when she went to heaven to be like, uh, yeah, hey, and she was cured. Back. Yeah, and oh. she cured her disease. It seems more believable that she'd be sitting in the tree and somehow is transported to heaven, and on her way back from heaven, the force of reentering her body kicked her out of the tree, and she fell so down. That's uh, I mean, the tree? that does not seem right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about something else. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I am Matt Patches. I'm the entertainment editor of Thrillist, and I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. I'm David Ehrlich. I'm a staff writer at Rolling Stone and a critic at Slate, and you can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich. I'm Katie Rich. I'm at VanityFair.com, and I'm on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Next week.